It's Wednesday, April 10th, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are thrilled to be joined again by Jessica Roberts as she continues her story that we started yesterday on the Defender Podcast. And so if you didn't listen to yesterday's podcast, I would just ask that you go back and listen to yesterday's podcast so that this whole story will make sense in its entirety as we just listen and hear all the ways that the Lord uh, has used the trauma and the past of Jessica's life to bring her to a place of faith and to bring her to a place of adoption. And so I would just encourage you to listen to yesterday, uh, Tuesday, April 9th's podcast, and then to finish up today's podcast with Jessica's story. And so we're just grateful again to be joined by Jessica Roberts. God is sovereign, and we have to remember He's at work in salvation. And so in some ways that's freeing for us as we go and tell others about Christ. It's not dependent upon what we say or how we say it or what we or what we say or how we say it or where we go. But God knows those that he is calling to himself and he will give us the words and equip us um, in those times. Okay, so it's 2007 in September. Um, you go through this funeral and the Lord supplies a husband yes. in an unexpected way. Oh. So talk a little bit about so, Rhodes Roberts um, first came onto the scene when, during the deployment, Tell had said they got a new LT, a lieutenant. And um, he said he really liked him because he was a country kid like him. Even though he was an officer, he wasn't pretentious or um, arrogant or anything. And I remember thinking, that's nice news, don't care. You know, but, um, and when Tell was. M- Packing and leaving to come home to meet Ava is when Rhodes got there. Yeah. And he, Rhodes's first encounter with Tell was he knew of Gray, and he meets Gray, and he congratulates him on becoming a daddy. And so that's the... And then at, so after I learned about Rhodes a little later, Tell tells me that he's this new LT and nothing more. Well, the way that Tell was killed was in... Um, they had uh, a big truck that carries all the platoon, and they were leaving a mission. And so they, they do the missions at night. They come home in the morning. Mm. And they're snaking around this barrier, and Rhodes is his, his platoon leader. And so he's in the front seat of the truck. There's three men in the front, 15 in the back, this big box, hunter box is what it's called. And the driver kind of gets tripped up over a piece of concrete that's been blown off and he kind of hits the gas and actually drives the truck over an overpass and Rhodes is in this truck and is sure he's this is the end of his life and it happens to be the end of Tell's life well Rhodes was injured really bad um, and seven seven of them died that day Um, well when everybody finally come home I knew of the guys that had died, obviously, and then the guys that were injured. So I, I keep seeing uh, Lieutenant Roberts' name, um, but nothing really. That that was that was kind of irrelevant. Well, we all 
then gather together when everybody comes home to have um, dinner at Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> it's fancy. Um, I get set, and so there's so many of us, so everyone's kind of at different tables, and I get put at a table, and Rhodes is at the table, and we're all sitting there, and by this point, so this is this is a couple months after the funeral, and just I'm just figuring out how to live every day, and I we get our food, and he bows his head and asks a blessing over his food, and it doesn't seem like a big deal, but when a, you've never done that before, mm. and B, you know that has something to do with this thing that you're learning. Mm-hmm. I just something inside of me was like, I want to be his friend. He knows something I don't, mm. and so I, I pursued friendship with him. And I wasn't. Expl- I didn't. I I didn't come out and say, Hey, I want to know about Jesus Christ because I didn't know to do that. Mm. I just was like, I want to be around this person who seems to know something I don't. And he was different. He was different than the soldiers that were so afraid. They were so sad because Gray died and their friends died. But I know so many of them loved Tell. And Jess was off lit, like not off limits as if I wanted to be on limits, but like so fragile Mm. and all I wanted to do was talk I needed Mm. to to talk and so Rhodes became my friend and we went grocery shopping I had a baby so what are we going to do you know we do I grocery shopping together and I I was going to a church that I I thought you chose a church based on what it looked like (laughs) so I chose a beautiful church in Fayetteville North Carolina well um I had bought a pink bible a lady's bible and I would go to this church by myself and take Ava, and um, they didn't read it, it during the, the, the gathering. And in my little mind, I was like, aren't, aren't we supposed to be reading the scripture? I want to read this yeah. thing. So I asked him one time, and I said, hey, do they read the Bible at your church? And uh, he said, yes. And I said, can we come with you? And so I start going to the Baptist church. That's how that kind of panned out. And uh, so we just start spending a lot of time together. And he's in Rhodes is not a um, a talk a talkative person um, unless you ask him questions. He's just he likes to listen. And so I would ask a lot of questions, and he would tell me. I mean, he grew up in a Christian home, generational, and had no concept of life outside of three times a week and you know he was in the bible drills and all the I just didn't he didn't know what life looked like without that I didn't know what life looked like with that and I wanted to know so I asked him all these questions so he he essentially discipled me without it ever being on those terms mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. I just asked and learned from him and then like I said that strange piece um, I remember very specifically talking to my sister and saying, I've been a married woman. I loved being married. But I don't, I don't want to live unmarried. And so I'm going to look in the Bible and see if it has anything to say about this. And it does. Mm-hmm. And I was excited about this. And so I called him up one night and I was like, here's the deal. I like you. And I don't really know what else to say, but there's that. And he was like, well, you're a pretty lady. And so we started just, look. what does it look like to have a kind of a courtship out of grief? 
And by this point, I've learned about the sin aspect, right? Mm. What does it look like to date somebody that's in the eyes of the, that the Lord himself is watching your relationship? Mm. I never understood that before. Also, I was careful because I remember hearing things like, you could never love your husband more than God mm. when I was married to tell, and I thought that was the most ludicrous thing I'd ever heard. And I was so careful because this God had met me. Mm. And so I tempered my emotions towards Rhodes through prayer. Mm. And please don't let me obsess. And so this identity was really shifting. Mm. I didn't just transplant it from tell to Rhodes, it was identity in Christ and this is a gift of relationship. Mm. And so that's how we then, and that went, and I told him, I don't want to do this dating for a long time. That doesn't make sense to me. We have a ready-made family. I want to have more kids. And so we just sped that right along and got married. <laughs> and so, and it, was, it wasn't to the, the joy of people around us, especially in my family, because I had a lot of unbelievers and, um, they, I was told I had been unfaithful to tell by re, wanting to remarry. So I, I learned a lot about how to go to the Lord with this stuff that is hurtful right in the beginning. And he taught me how that whatever my initial emotion is, is not, um, is not right to go to him first. And so then anyway, and that's how we got together and got married. And um, Christ, I... Both of us, and he, he had our, obviously, he had already always had planned on making Christ the center of his marriage, uh, Rhodes did, but I didn't know that. So this has been this beautiful, now next month will be 10 years of how do we do this in a way that's not just happy based on emotion, but joy based on the gospel. And so that's, that's been our Amen. Well, what a, what a story of redemption through so many twists and turns, uh, beautiful story that looking back, you see the beauty living yeah. in it. It's dark yeah. and treacherous and lonely, yeah. as you said. Um, but again, we see just the, the weaving mm -hmm. of God's grace and the beauty of God's grace through that story. And so you and Rhodes are, are married. Mm -hmm. You have another daughter, yes. Ellery. And then you come to the decision as a family to adopt. Yes. And I think that's, even knowing your story, what a beautiful picture adoption is. Because really, uh, Leona's story is very similar to your story in the sense that uh, she's an abandoned child, just abandoned by her parents in China. Um, you know that at some point in her life, she's going she's gonna to express yes. the feeling of not knowing what her identity was and being lost and being lonely. But now y'all have brought her in mm -hmm. and in a sense given her that uniform yeah. and that ID card and a new name. Right. And I know that you and Rhodes are praying even that one day she will come to this ultimate identity. And so these parallel stories of adoption, so even shifting through adoption with your story and the process of adopting Leona, what, what are three things that you have learned through the adoption process? Oh, okay, the very first thing is that I am not the awesome mom I thought I was. <laughs> like that's, it, 
it's not um, Ava and Ellery kind of came naturally to me to 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 do things my way, and they kind of just floated along because they were babies, and I was all they ever knew. Leona comes onto the scene; she was nearly three when we adopted her, and I'm not Mama. She doesn't know me, and no matter my tone of voice, how awesome I thought I could be, she's hurting. And so that that um, that's number one, really. I'm not the awesome mom that I thought I was. And let me look. I, I have these written down, so I want to do number two. Special needs are real mm. and very hard, but so 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 valuable. When we went through the process of the decision, which is ultimately this very strange place to be where you're ticking off, could I accept this or not? And in one part of you says, absolutely anything, anything, I'll take anything. And another part says, I don't know if we can, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. It's just this really, really hard tension. Well, bringing her home, expecting, when you're not supposed to have expectations, but you do, expecting this sort of, cluster of issues so cleft lip and palate is what she had and that was kind of the only thing that they had noticed well that's not the only thing and now we have a picture of uh, a genetic abnormality um her which is kind of open-ended without really any details and i can't um pretend that my awesome momness or whatever is going to do the meet her needs the way they need to be met. Mm. Her needs are real and they are special. And that, but that leads me to my third point because I wanted to say even though Leona has le- like a legitimate diagnosis of these particular special needs, mm. it has opened my eyes to the needs of all kids. Mm whether there's anything identified or not, whether they're biological or I was a biological child and I had trauma in my childhood and so many needs that I never would have considered to that somebody should have been meeting. So I see now, even through Ava and Ellery, who have no identified special needs, but they hurt. Mm. And they, um, it just has opened my eyes to kids are just precious Mm. in general. I think I could have said that before, um, but adopting has 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 kind of put this. You this is at work. Mm. You're signing up to do, and um, it's so hard, but so so good. What even just again thinking of your story and the beautiful nature of of what you've said that you know really. There comes Psalm 139 right back in the the stage again, um, that Leona, even with her need, is fearfully and wonderfully made, knitted together, made by God with great purpose. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, it's God's wave of just deep love and affection, like a quilt over your life, Mm -hmm. when you were in a home in situations where you didn't know you were special, you didn't know you were unique, you didn't know you were made in the image of God, Mm -hmm. But now you have the opportunity 
to, to show this love to three daughters, but specifically one who really started in a situation very similar, yeah. different, but similar. Yeah. And so even looking at all of that, how has this adoption and, and just walking through life with Leona really taught you more about the gospel and ch even changed your view of the gospel? Okay. So we are only Jesus Christ can fix broken. Mm -hmm. And the gospel is so clear in this because before God, we stand defiled, every one of us. And I, I think that through adoption, Leona, with every, every single, sometimes I see, I feel so like this weird swelling of emotion toward her and I can't even identify it because what in, in, in the world, what does she have going for her? She's defiled. Mm. She has nothing that says, I belong to anybody. Mm. She doesn't look like the rest of us in our family. She doesn't act like us. She doesn't know she's completely broken. But so are all of us, as we try and stand before God without Christ, we are completely broken and only Jesus can fix that. He, instead of us trying to make ourselves clean enough, which I, I could have probably understood this, but even with Leona, we can take her and have the surgeries done, right? And all of us, I could, I could um, morally change my behaviors from when I was um, out, outside of, of God's grace, that understanding. But that, and Jesus himself calls it clean by what his sacrifice has done. He calls her that it doesn't matter if surgeries are done, if genetic um, diagnoses are even declared, if she ever grows to this stature or makes it into kindergarten or whatever the case is. She's beloved by God because he created her, and now I have a responsibility because I was beloved by God, and I was just as broken that I have a responsibility to walk with her, to have her eyes open to that beautiful thing. And so that's where I, I was thinking about this. And now, and I'm gonna be specific to adoption here. No amount of self-help um, or can-do attitude yeah. because sometimes with kids we feel like if I just have a can-do attitude or if they just have a can-do attitude this will all go away or this will all be fixed or Instagram <laughs> you know pictures to make my family look beautiful before the world look at look at us mm. look at what we've done look at how different we are um, that doesn't create um, make whole any brokenness mm. and so that's been important to me because while I thought I understood adoption it wasn't until I really got in the middle of it and it was so difficult mm. that I thought if I have a professional picture taken of what my heart really looks like right now mm. there's not a soul on social media that would be okay with that mm. this is hard mm. and that's not going to make me more um grace-filled than coming before the Father and admitting that I 
need his help and I need Jesus to guide me in how to be an adoptive parent. Amen. Wow. Um, so what an encouragement to, to see those words. And I think even as you come in and going back to the three lessons that, that, you know, you're not the awesome mom you thought you were, uh, that special needs are hard. Um, and that the needs of, of all kids, you know, we also see this, this new creation idea that, that you've been knit into a new creation. And so even the things that the Lord has done in your life has prepared you to be a mom to Leona. Um, all the, all the, all the graciousness through the gospel has prepared you there. And, and just as I, I mean, I pulled this up cause I, I just, I think of second Corinthians five as we, as we talk through this whole story and what a picture this is starting in verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. And all of this is from, from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And therefore now we are ambassadors of God. And so God made you into a new creation. And now you're, you and, and Rhodes are ambassadors of Christ in your home. And now specifically to Leona. And, but it, but you, you've touched on it several times, but it's not easy. No. And so just even as we end, you know, I think so many people are going to hear your story and just be encouraged by seeing the hand and the fingerprints of God yeah. all throughout your story. Um, but you said it over and over, but I don't have this whole thing figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what are some encouragement that you would have for other families that are struggling through adoption? Mm-hmm. Because some of the same words you brought up at the very beginning of your story that you felt irrelevant that you didn't know what your identity was and that you were lonely, even to Christian moms and dads. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's the way we can feel when we're parenting or even through this adoption journey. Irrelevant. Yeah. Um, where's my identity? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and lonely in this process. So what's some encouragement that you would offer to families who are struggling once they're returning home through adoption? Okay. So I have some practical ones. Um, if you have trauma in your past, when you do your application, when you walk through with your social worker and something inside of you says, well, yeah, 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 but I am a new creation and I don't, I'm okay now. I promise adoption will pull it out. (laughs) And so my encouragement, we, I got to a place with Leona, that I was, I, the shame that I felt that I could not figure it out was so great. And I sat in a parking lot and called Lifeline to, for, about counseling. And I, and I was sobbing of shame. What is wrong with me? We prayed for her. And, um, and the, the counselor, she talked with me just a little bit. And she said, what you're feeling is normal. Come in. And what we've learned, so thinking that at first it was just about adoption, I'm learning that some of my hardships with with her come from unresolved um, shame, guilt, patterns of uh, the abuse and, and trauma that I had seen as a child. And even though, yes, I live in Christ and I am liberated. In fact, my family, my dad, my sister, brother, believers walking with the Lord now, but something happens in this zero to twelve mm. time frame that if it's not walked out, 
when you begin to walk with someone else that has brokenness, especially your child, um, it's going to pull it out. And so my very practical is just plan. Start counseling Mm. and plan on it. There is no, I thought it was going to be shameful to do Mm. counseling. Turns out, I tell every single person I know, I have grown Mm. and learned. And then these victories with Leona are enormous. Mm. And we celebrate them. And I see what God is doing as I pray and ask, Mm. oh God, help me to see her in this way. Change me because I'm not meeting this. And I, I, I hear it. I went through the training. I did it all. I watched the videos. It all made sense. But in the moment, if you don't, if you have some trauma, you've got to be able to come back to say, this comes from a deeper place. Mm. I am safe. She is safe. We're safe. Open your eyes. And so counseling is so important. So I would recommend to anybody that has any hard time, please, please feel encouraged to seek counseling, biblical counseling, that teaches you who you were and that the Lord, what the Lord has done and that you can manage and deal with that. Mm. Anyway, so that's my first one. And then the second um, um, piece of encouragement I, I would give, and this is not, uh, I know on social media there's a lot of groups. I think there were. I've actually been off of social media for over a year now. Actually, April 1st is not that much farther over a year. But I needed to back off because there I was told there's all these groups. Mm-hmm. You're part of this adoption group and this and that. That may be very encouraging to some. For me, I couldn't touch them. And it didn't feel real. And there was still like there was still this dichotomy of that's a private group and here's here's our mess, but here's what I'm actually putting out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I really struggled with that's not real. Mm-hmm. So my encouragement is to counseling, but also be real. Talk with people that are your safe people, so small group or in your, in your church. If there's people that have adopted, say, can I walk with you physically with this? If they will allow that. That's been really helpful for me um, because I need to know and see, look in the eyes of somebody else in their heart and be like, we're doing this together. And I know that's not practical for everybody because they don't all live in an environment where that's maybe as large as what we see here in Birmingham. But um, ask God to bring safe people into your life that will walk with you through the mess and then and, and with counseling. And honestly, ask the Lord to help open your eyes to those victories, as small as they may be, and then with every ounce. And I could just cry because the things that are victories in our home probably don't seem like much. But when, like, when I can hear her crying and feel a tenderness toward it, this is huge. Mm. And, and know what to do. Know where it's coming from. Mm. And see her as that. Because I can say it, um, but when, you're, when it's, the crying hasn't stopped and you don't know why, and all your little tips that you've done with your other kids aren't working, you need to be able to say, okay, Lord, you've taught me these things through counseling. Help me to open my eyes to see who she is, that you love her dearly, and then help me to have a response right now. Maybe tomorrow will be different, but right now. And then celebrate it with your spouse, with your kids. And there's no, do not be ashamed of the tiniest little victories. 
and make that a big deal in your family and celebrate it with her. Um, that's my encouragement. I hope that's not discouraging because I have had a hard time. But man, um, seeing him mm. hear my prayers. Mm. I was on the floor after Tell died with this um, wrenching sobbing that gripped every muscle in my body and I never thought I would cry that hard again and I never thought I would feel that desperate um, nearly 12 years ago but several months ago I was in the same position by my bed in fetal position saying oh god what did I do mm. how did you let me do this adoption I, I'm not fit for this and he met me in that place just like he met me before because he cares about not just Leona, but me too, because he's he's knitted us together as a family. And so he hears your prayers. Mm. He really does. Wow. Well, amen. And I think just as we close, a couple of things that you even said there that I just want to highlight again and make sure that, that, that mamas and daddies aren't missing this. You know, you felt at a desperate place in the parking lot and you made a call. And the thing that you were told is what I want to tell every mom and dad, what you're going through is normal. Uh, And so please call and please get help. And please don't think that it's abnormal or that there's something wrong with you or that you're broken and go into a deep spiral of despair and not share that with anyone else. And even as you said, second is get with your small group in your cluster. And so just know that we are standing here ready to equip your church. So if you're not at a church like the Roberts are, where there is an impactful group and there are people ready to, to be that, that, that safe place and to be that small group of accountability, please call us today because we want to help your church be that place. And it doesn't matter if your church is 100 people or 5,000 people. Uh, we, the Lord has given us resources, Equipped to Love is one that's right now on Right Now Media that can help those in your church and in your small group understand those things that you're going through to let you know that these are not abnormal, these are normal. And then just something that you said that I want to make sure, and you didn't actually say this word, but it's a word that I know is, is stirring in the mind of really every mama a biological mama as well as adopted mama, and that is comparison. Oh. And so, ladies, do not compare yourself to others. God has uniquely made you. He's uniquely formed you. I tell my sweet wife all the time, you need to get off the blogs. You need to stop reading and comparing yourself because everybody's got junk and everybody's uh, uniquely different. And God has made you for who you are today in order to be who you need to be for your children and your family. And so trust in him that if you're seeking him, if you're not seeking him, that's off on that. But if you're seeking the Lord, then he will use you in a special, unique way for your family with all your junk and with everything that you have. The grace through you to your children is immeasurable. And then certainly last but not least, just what you said there is to celebrate victories. We need to celebrate every victory and give it to the Lord because these victories are his. And so uh, just as we close our time together, I think again, Galatians, Galatians chapter three, and this just kind of summarizes your story. Um, You know, now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian for in Christ. We are all sons of God through faith. For many of you are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So we are no longer Jew nor Greek, free nor slave, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Well, thanks for joining us, Jessica, and we are so 
grateful that you took the time to tell your story. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, hopefully uh, you have been as impacted and as touched by this story as I have been. And the way that we have seen the Lord weave his narrative and weave the gospel uh, through broken and tough and hard places in Jessica's life. Well, if you've enjoyed today's podcast or other podcasts that we've done, will you please take a moment and rate us at iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app? Those rates help us to be able to have our podcast uh, found more easily by other people so that interviews like this and other things can be heard. Uh, content that we're putting out can be more readily available to people. Also, if you have a moment, will you drop us a line at info at lifelinechild.org and let us know what you're liking or what you're enjoying about the Defender Podcast so that we can continue to make sure that we are getting you the content and getting you what you need as you join us in fulfilling the call and the command of Scripture to defend the fatherless and to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.